0: You might be able to live without it, but I can't live without it. Hebrews 11, let's stand together, verse 1. We read all of this last week, but guess what we're going to do? We're going to read it again. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Father, thank you for your word. Speak truth to our hearts. Help us to walk out of here today more emboldened in our faith and in you. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. Faith, I can't live without it. Last week, we talked about this. We said faith is confidence in what God has said, in what what God has said. That's his word. And then we said faith is confidence in what God has done. That's his work, the life and work of Jesus Christ and the life of the Father and the Holy Spirit and all of God's work. And then we said, faith is confidence in what God will do, his will. So we looked at his word, his work, and his will. So I want to give you a definition of faith. I think it's the greatest definition outside of scripture that I've ever come across. And uh, <clears throat> it's written by Warren Wiersbe. You see it there on the screens. It says, true Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. So biblical faith, true Bible faith, is confident obedience. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. It's confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Well, you Christians just believe in blind faith. No, nope, it's not blind at all. It's eyes wide open, spiritual eyes wide open. You see, for you're looking at it with fleshly eyes, with cornal eyes. But I'm looking at it now through spiritual eyes. Before I got saved, I couldn't see what I see now. As a matter of fact, the Word of God made no sense to me. John three sixteen. I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I had no clue what it meant. It had no significance for me at all. But as I read it, God was was doing a work in my heart and, and the seed was planted in my life and one day there came a moment in time where where I was confronted with Jesus and what shall I do with him and he gave me an opportunity to receive him by faith and so I came to a place where by 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 biblical conviction that I believed that the Bible is the Word of God and so I put my true faith in what the Bible said and I put my faith in Jesus Christ in obedience to God's word, in spite of circumstances and consequences. So that's faith described. So let's talk about it for just a moment. Faith, can't live without it. Number one, faith is the foundation to life. It is the foundation to our life. Confidence, it's our confidence, it's our substance. It's everything that we are. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved, in Ephesians chapter 2, through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then it says in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand for us to do the good work. So faith is the foundation to life. It's how we receive Christ. It's not blind. It's putting our trust in a person, in Jesus. You know, we talked about this in Sunday school today. Josh McDowell said years ago in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, he said this. He said that Jesus is one of three things. He's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's Lord. How many of you ever heard people say this? Well, Jesus was a great prophet, but he's not God. Or he's one of many. Uh, Jesus was a great teacher, a good rabboni, a good rabbi. But, you know, I don't believe he's the Lord of the, of the world. I don't believe he created all that we see, as the Bible says. We don't believe that. You know, people say that all the time. And, and Josh made this point, Josh McDowell. He said, well, he said, you know, if he's not Lord, if he's not your Lord, and you're not going to submit to him, then he's one of the other two. He's a liar because he claimed to be God. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus even said, I am. I am Yahweh, what God the Father, or, well, I say God the Father. A lot of us believe it's the preincarnate Jesus Christ when he spoke and said to Moses at the burning bush. Think about this. You ever, ever thought about this? We, we studied about this Wednesday night in, about Moses. Moses appeared, uh, uh, approached this bush, and it was burning, but it was not consumed. And it struck him as odd. I think it would strike me as odd, too, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you? It wasn't being consumed. Now, now think about this. Y'all remember another story in the Old Testament where three men were thrown into this furnace? because they would not deny their faith and bow down to the graven image of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown, the Babylonian king had them thrown into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, whoa, wait a minute. As as a matter of fact, the fire was so hot that the person who opened the oven and was throwing them in was consumed immediately. And Nebuchadnezzar, after a little while, looked and he says, didn't we throw three guys in there? But I see a fourth one, and he's the Son of Man, the Son of God. So Nebuchadnezzar saw the pre-incarnate Christ. He was in the fire, and he wasn't being devoured by the fire, and he wasn't being burned up. And now Moses sees a fire long before Nebuchadnezzar and all of that ever happened, and it's kind of the same scenario. It's the the pre-incarnate Christ that we see all the way back then. And so Jesus, from the very beginning, was talking to us about faith. Moses had to live by faith and put his trust in what God had told him. So faith is the foundation to life. No other foundation, 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this. Look at this. Look at what 1 Corinthians 3.11 says. No other foundation, can. for no one can lay any foundation Other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to say this and I'm going to say it emphatically and as clear as uh, clear as I I make it. If you I mean as clear as I can, if you are building your life on anything other than the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're building it on a faulty foundation that will be swept away. Do You hear me? So Jesus is the foundation. So going back to the liar, lunatic, or Lord. So Jesus said he was God. And Moses at the burning bush, God said, tell him Yahweh has sent you, I am, to Moses. Jesus claimed the very same thing in the New Testament. You tell him I am, has sent you. He claimed to be God. So so Jesus cannot just be a good prophet and a nice teacher and all of that. If he's not Lord, then he's a liar. And then he's a lunatic for believing a lie and dying for it. Right? But we know that he's not a liar. you listening? And he know we know that he's not a lunatic. He is Lord. You know, the Bible says that the preaching of the gospel, listen to this, the preaching of the gospel is uh, is foolishness to those are perishing but to those of us who are being saved it is the power of God and so I say this to you we cannot live without faith faith is the foundation biblical faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation to life it gives us confidence to live it provides substance for our being on this earth and in all of eternity and I'm just telling you If there's anything else in your life that you're building your life on other than Christ, you're building it on a faulty foundation that will rot or get washed away. So don't build it on your marriage. Marriage is honorable among all, the Bible says, and a bed undefiled. Marriage is a beautiful thing to God. And, and marriage has a place, but you don't build your life on it. Listen, don't build your life on your kids. Now, when Penny and I started having children, and we, you know, our children were little, we knew that now our focus had shifted in our family, and it was about raising them. But never did we let our marriage suffer as a result of it. We still continue to put the same effort into our marriage. Uh, but one thing that we did do, even, even though we knew, okay, it's about raising these kids, doing it the best we can, training them in the admonition of the Lord. We're going to do everything that we can. But listen, they weren't my God. I didn't try to live my life through their athletic accomplishments or lack thereof or their academic Stuff or what have you. Not at all. Because they're not the foundation on which life should be built. I don't build my life on who I am as a pastor. You realize that? If I preach what some of you might term an amazing message, or what I would term sometimes a dud fizzles out and just goes, it's like, man, that was a dud. Go home and all that. And be discouraged about it. Whether Whether I preach one or the other, it doesn't matter to me. Because the foundation of my life is not in how I perform on Sunday. The foundation of my life is Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. And he's got a plan for my life and how I live it. Each and every day is what really matters. So I can't live without it. I can't. And I'm not trying to be down on anybody. But in our faith comes all of this, the church and all of that. I preach sure a bunch of hypocrites at church. That's why I don't go much. You know, there are hypocrites who are doctors too, but you still go see them. You know, you love your football team, but there are some hypocrites sometimes who play football. They don't give it up their all, (laughs) but you still watch them, right? Hypocrite. What are you talking about? Of course, church is full of flawed people, but that doesn't mean you throw it out. Same thing with the family. Your family's a wreck. You remember the days of Barney, that purple thing? to get me one of those a stuffed Borney so I can shoot my bow and arrow at all the time practice (laughs) I love you you love me (laughs) we're a a happy family here's here's the way I changed it years ago one day I was watching that and nobody in my house was happy the kids were watching on Saturday morning two of them had already gotten spanked Penny and I were not on the best of terms And we were watching that, and I went, what a hypocrite! And I I came up with this. I hate you, you hate me, we're a dysfunctional family. We're all dysfunctional, y'all. We're all a mess. We're a hot mess. That's why Jesus came. I want to find the perfect church. I got one for you. Do not join it when you find it. Because if you do, it ceases to be perfect. Just saying. You getting that, Rachel? (laughs) Faith is the foundation of life. It's the confidence of substance that we need. All right? Number two, faith allows us to see what others cannot see. Faith allows us to see what others cannot see. Verse 7 talks about Noah. He says, but by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear. So he was warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. (laughs) Noah, I need you to build this gigantic thing that will float in water. Float in water. We don't have no sea around here, Lord. Well, I'm going to make it rain. What's that? never rained. And it's going to flood. What's that? I mean, we got a lot of rain. You need to build that. Because I'm going to save humanity through you and your family. And Noah could see what others couldn't see because he was obedient to God. Faith allows us to see what others can't see. Verse 13 says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Look at what Psalm 119 verse 8 says. Psalm 119 verse 8 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your life. The eyes of our heart is what the scripture's talking about. That I might see wonderful things. See, you can read the Bible all day long and it not change your life if you're rebellious and you don't want it to change your life. But as a Christian, as you begin to open the word of life, you realize this is God's love letter to me. This is God's instruction manual to me. And it's not just a set of rules. It's written in my heart. It's made out of the love, it was fashioned out of the love of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And every book in the Bible can be, you you can trace the the red line of redemption, as we call it, the the scarlet thread of redemption, as W.A. Criswell called it, from Genesis to Revelation. You can see Jesus in it all through there. Faith allows us to see what others cannot see. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I've even said it to other people, like, man, I'll tell you, I could never go through what you went through and be as faithful to God as you have been and be as strong as you have been. You ever you ever, you ever saw that and thought that to people and like, oh my God, how did, here's the answer to that. They were thinking the same thing before crisis hit them. You see, because as you're walking and living by faith, <clears throat> God gives you what you need when you start going through it. There's an old saying that says this. God does not give you dying grace on an undying day. But he'll give you what you need when you need it. And I've told this to many people over the years. Many Christians say, oh, Pastor, I just don't know if I have faith. In what you see right now, yes, you don't have the faith for it, but in the faith that you truly have in Jesus, when you're going through it, you have no other place to look but him. And you get tired of fighting the fight And and, and worrying all the time and you do what the scripture says in Hebrews and you say I'm fixing my eyes on him and when you fix your eyes on him then you can see what others can't see you may not be able to see the end result of everything but you can kind of see God's big plan you can say you know as bad as this is for us God has a plan and he'll use it for his glory I can't I don't know how you live without faith when I say you I'm probably talking Just a couple of people in here, the vast majority of us have taken that step. Open our eyes, God, that we may see. Number three, faith allows us to not just see what others can't see, but to do what others cannot do. To do what others cannot do. I've given you some scripture there, verses 4 and 5. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. (laughs) I love this about Enoch. Think about this. You're walking with God in such a way that God said, you ain't dying. Come on home. And he just. Takes you. Isn't that something? Well, Leroy, I dropped him off at the fork in the road there, and I saw him in his deer stand. And then I looked over again, and he was gone. <laughs> that was Enoch. He lived like that. Faith allows us to do what others cannot do. So when people say, I don't know if I could ever do that, you can if you put your trust in Christ and you properly place your faith in the truth of God's word. It will. Look. Even as a younger pastor when I was younger and had smaller kids, I wasn't afraid of death. I just was afraid of what it might do to my family if they didn't have me around. <laughs> Looking back on it, they might have been pretty good. <laughs> Who knows, but um, I'm just being honest with you folks, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Preacher here. I'm just telling you, death does not scare me. If somebody walked in here with a gun, if if he survived, those of you who are packing right now, only thing I will say is, if somebody comes in here to do something like that, and our people start shooting back, duck, okay, just duck. Especially if I'm shooting, because man, I don't, know, I, I just wound. But if somebody walked up to me and said, "You better be scared of me, because I'm gonna kill you, preacher," i will be like, "You threatening to send me to heaven? Amen. Let me shake your hand, pal. That's all right." And you say, well, preacher, I don't necessarily want to go now. Well, I don't either. That's why I don't want to go sleep on the train track in Newberry. Huh? That's why when I go in the woods, man, I got a gun. Yeah. I don't want something to eat me. But if that time comes, even so, let it be, Lord Jesus. So when you don't live in fear of death and of other things like that, you're free to just go do what God calls you to do. I'll be honest with you. I know I haven't talked about this in a while, and I know you're glad that I haven't mentioned the word COVID. But it's the reality of the life we've been living for quite a while now. I've always said, is COVID real? Yes, it's real. Has it hurt a lot of people? Yes, it's hurt a lot of people. Has it killed a lot of people? Yes, it's killed a lot of people. But the flu has, and a lot of other things have too, okay? Now, I say that with all respect there. But this life is not all that I have. Jesus sent Paul out to do ama- 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 amazing work they didn't have anti-venom in that day he was going in some remote places and God said I'm going to protect you I'm going to give you what you need so Paul had a pit viper bite him and inject him with some venom he didn't die could that snake whatever it was kill him But God chose not to let it happen. So Paul didn't say, I'm not going, God, because I need some anti-venom. That was the mask of his day, if you will, or the six feet of separation. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Should we take precaution? Listen, I had a loved one die from COVID in my family last year. And COVID was going through that family, that part of the family like crazy. I made a decision not to go. I'm not afraid of COVID, but I know it's serious. And I know there's some things I got to do to keep myself safe, but I'm not going to shelter in place for the rest of my life. There are people who need Jesus. Social distancing. Social distancing. Don't you ever say that phrase to me. Yes, Jesus didn't believe in social distancing. He touched people. Right. We're human beings. We got a little baby right here in the house. Little Elijah. Elijah man. Guess where he's at? He's in the arms of his mother right And I've talked to Elijah, he likes that <laughs> he said p c don't tell him, but I really like that. He needs that touch. Amen. They have something now that they do <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a new thing, it's an old thing. They just now make it part of the process now so when when the, and tell me if I'm right on this when they give birth now. Uh, you know they have the bonding with the mom but the dad takes his shirt off is that right and what what do they call it what do they call it there's an official name skin to skin and they have that skin to skin moment and then they take pictures and i'm like yeah, i don't want to see your ugly chest but anyway that's not wrong I remember many a time at home when my kids were little and I got out of the shower and I'd have a shirt on and it was time for me to have my time lay them right here now made sure that the little squirts had diapers on (laughs) 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 that's when mama takes them Uh, So, anyway, I don't know. I got off onto a tangent about all of that. (laughs) One last thing I want to leave you with. Yeah. You say, eh, preacher chased a rabbit. Yep, and when you shoot a rabbit and you pot roast it, they taste good. Anyway, number four, faith. Last thing. Without faith, we are living in disobedience to God. As simple as it can be. As Christians, we're living in absolute disobedience. The Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, faith is part of the DNA of our Christian walk. You'll never live this life without having to implement an act of faith in your life. In this world that we live in. You know what the number one question in 35 years of ministry that i've gotten over the years it's a one-word question you know it it's easy when people start going through something and they want to talk to somebody and they're hurting they ask one question one word it comes from our deep pain what what is it why Now that comes usually from, from deep pain and it's more, I would say, a, a, an emotional reflex. Why? Why mom? Why now? Why him? He's just two days old. Why? Why have they done this to me? Why? But you see, part of the Christian maturation process is to eliminate that from our emotional repertoire. You'll never eliminate the pain. You'll never eliminate the hurt. But as you grow, your questions change. It's no longer about why, like you're screaming to God, why did you? This happened to me? Because see, now you are walking by faith. You're trained in faith. You, it's become part of who you are. It's your DNA spiritually. And now when something bad happens, oh, you're, it's, it crushes you and you weep and all of that. But at the same time, what happens is this. It's not why, it's what. Lord, what can I do to bring glory to you in this situation? How can I be used of you? I'm crushed and I don't understand it, but I know you have a bigger plan, and by faith I trust you. And so it'll take a while to, to bleed and to call upon your name, to get alone, and to grieve, or whatever it might be. But I'm not asking why. ask you this parents, you ever ask your kids, why did you do that? You know it's the dumbest question we could ever ask as parents, right? And I've asked it a million times. What in the world happened to you? That that part of your life, that DNA that caused you to do whatever what you just did comes from your mama's side of the family. (laughs) We don't do that on our side. (laughs) Yeah, we all do it. Dumb question. We shouldn't ask why. We know why. They're little sinners with legs. That's what they are. (laughs) They are. They're lost. They're walking liars. My little two-year-old grandson knows how to blame his brother already. Nobody taught him that. He just knows it. Did you spill that? Uh-uh, Pops. CJ. I saw you do it. mm CJ did it. Pops, I want to go shoot your bow. <laughs> no, you ain't changing the subject, you little liar. <laughs> and you know what's Amazing. I look at that and I say, he got it from me. And then from his daddy. And he's going to pass it down to his son and daughters." It's called the sin nature. Why? We know why. We're sinners. And our only hope, our living hope that we were singing about is Jesus Christ. And so without faith, we're living in absolute disobedience to God. It's not blind it's got substance and I'm confident that nothing that happens in this life to me is by accident and by faith I will trust him until my my faith becomes what sight would you stand with Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so amazing to us. Help us to be full of faith, trusting you. When we're weak, that's when you're strong, because we have no one else to turn to but you, and we put our trust in you. So, folks, we're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. And as we do so in an attitude of prayer, I'm going to invite you to respond to God maybe like you never have before and to just say, that's it. That's it. I'm tired of living by fear. I'm tired of living by what controls me. I'm tired of living by what the culture says. I'm going to rededicate myself, and I'm going to live By absolute faith in him and what comes comes and I'm gonna quit blaming and asking God why and I'm gonna start trusting him and asking what what can I do for your glory through this if you've never given your heart to Christ like these five beautiful individuals who publicly declared their faith today in believers baptism that can be your experience too but you've got to put your faith and trust in him and and then declare him publicly and say, I'm willing to follow Jesus. Like Allison came last week and said, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And like others have come. You come and you let God have his way. This altar will be ready for you to pray however God is le- leading you. And so I'm going to ask our worship team to go ahead and lead us now. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.